श्री वैष्णव गुरु परंपरा की जाए ऐसी भक्ति विदांत स्वामी प्रभुपाद की जाए भक्ति रक्षक श्रीदेव गोस्वामी महाराज की जाए श्री भक्ति सिद्धांत सरस्वती ठाकुर प्रभुपाद की जाए गोर भक्त बिंद की जाए गोर प्रमाण Now we come to chapter 7. 7th chapter begins in Bhagavan speaks Shri Bhagavan Vacha Maya Shakta Manaha Parta Yogam Yunjam Madashaya Asamshayam Samagramam Vitagna Chasitachrinu So the term Bhagavan has already been explained early on in the second chapter this address first appears and Sri Bhagavan generally and proper like to render it in this way the blessed lord said why is the lord blessed and who can bless the lord <laughs> who makes the lord blessed this is shri shri bhagwan vacha without shri then there is no bhagwan there may be god and much as brahman is god brahmeti paramatmeti bhagwan iti shabdate we're coming to in chaitanya charitamrita discussion of the vastu nidesh shloka of the mangala charan vadi lila namaskar vastu nidesh ashirvad these three terms verses corresponding with them appear traditionally in the mangala charan of literature of the acharyas namaskar of course means to offer the obeisance pranam and ashirvad a blessing you can hear the rajapasis looking for ashirvad ashirvad often times after the sadhu has spoken people will come and ask for ashirvad they don't know that he already gave it <laughs> in the time the talk and they're coming for a pat on the head and uh, a blessing that some material desire will be fulfilled and vastunadesh means then vastu means that the substance so the liberation discussion on the essence of substance of what the book's about so in chaitanya charitamrita kaviraj goswami says yadadvaitam brahmapanishadi tadapi asyatanu va atmantaryami purusho itisho shamsha vibhava sadaishvarya purna sehi bhagavan sasayamayam na chaitanya krishna jagati paratatvam paramiya that comes to mind here as we're discussing bhagavan and in the course of explaining bhagavan we have to discuss paramatma and brahman and these are the three subjects mentioned in that vastunidesh shloka of krishnadas kaviraj goswami that is explained in the second chapter of vadi lila yadadvaitam brahmapanishadi tadapyasyatunubha is given the subject upanishads and then the predicate tanubha describing the subject of the upanishads that non-dual absolute which is the tanubha the effulgence of the lord atmantaryami purusho itisho shamshapi bhava antaryami means paramatma paramatma means who is the overlord of the material world proper used to refer to the paramatma more specifically as that feature of the lord that resides in the heart andantarasta paramanu chayantarasta meneri atomic particle of existence Shirdakshay Vishnu, but in a general sense, the three Vishnus, Karnadakshay Vishnu, Garbhadakshay Vishnu, Shirdakshay Vishnu, are the Paramatma, the Oversoul, overseeing the material nature. 
Raghavirash Goswami had said, here we are going to the Chaitanya Charitamrita, but that uh, this effulgence spoken of in the Upanishads, that is his aura, it's his aura. And that Antaryami Purusha, which is his Vaibhav, and Sadaishvarya Purna Saiha Bhagavan, Saswayam Mayam, that Bhagavan who is Sadaishvarya Purna, full, complete in six opulences. Parasharam has given the famous verse, Aishvarya Sesamagrasya Virya Sya Sashashriya and Jnana Vairagya Yalasya. Six opulences. Wealth, strength, fame, beauty, knowledge, and renunciation. And which one did Chaitanya Mahaprabhu exhibit most? <laughs> Depends how you're looking, but yeah, <laughs> overtly that's the case. Gaitik Sanyas for us. Not for the inhabitants of Navadweep. <laughs> they couldn't tolerate that. That is his Aishwarya. When Mahaprabhu leaves Navadweep, he's there, Nimai Pandit. Performing the kirtan in Shiva Sangam, everybody's with him, worshiping Krishna. Therefore, Thakur Bhakti Vinod is found in his prayers to cry out as a Dambasi of Navadweep, when will Nimai Pandit give up this dress of sannyas and become himself again, <laughs> return and join with us? We can do kirtan with him at Shiva Sangam. Nitlila Gauranga Mahaprabhu, this sannyas does not have manifestation, just like in Krishna Lila, we hear there, Krishna killed so many demons. Bhutana, Trinavarta, Agasur, Bhakasur, and so on. There has been, incidentally, some analysis has been given of the 16 principal demons in the Braj Lila killed by Krishna, and who were they killed by? Chaitanya Charitamrita teaches the Vasudev Krishna inside of Nandananda Krishna does the killing. Krishna just gives the blessing. And those 16 demons have been compared to the 16 principal questions of Bhagavad Gita. So that same Vasudev Krishna is speaking Bhagavad Gita and slaying the demons of the doubts. So you can go through and make an analysis and figure out which demon corresponds with which doubt of Arjuna. This is how we should try to spend our spare time, at least, <laughs> if not all of our time. It might take a little more than the spare time to go into it so deeply, but it's worth it. So Krishna is Bhagavan. Mahaprabhu is that Bhagavan, he says. Krishna is Kaviraj Goswami, full of six opulences. The sannyas stands out in particular. But the Navadvip Dambasis, they don't relate to that, because it's... It is an opulence, it's Aishvarya, so it creates some distance. Mahaprabhu taking sannyas, creating some distance from his devotees, and correspondingly, appropriately, he left Navadvip. The attire itself creates some distance, and he went some distance, as that attire is meant to take us here, there, and everywhere, not staying anywhere for more than a few days. Of course, we're sitting here for quite some time, but the idea is that it's not becoming if the sannyasi stays in one place and becomes dependent upon another for his sustenance, and his principle will be compromised. So Mahaprabhu moved. He wanted to go to Vrindavan. He sang that verse, Etam sastaya paratmanishtam adhyasitam puvat maharmadvi hamtarishami durantaparam tmomakundamanishevaya. Thinking of the Vrindavan forest. 
in Vaishnava idea of sannyas, paratmanishtam. Vaishnava idea of sannyas is this spirit. It's not the dress. No, it is a sham only. After all, we can see our sannyasis are busy collecting money and worrying about so many things in the temple, how to provide for the Radha Madhava, just like a household man has to worry how to provide for his dependents. It's external. The spirit of Sanyas Mahaprabhu emphasized by citing this verse from 11th Canto of Srimad Bhagavatam, Paratmanishtam. So all of his devotees are to embrace this. And it doesn't, otherwise the dress doesn't make a difference. As we said earlier today, You can chant this all day, but just remember to keep both lines there. Now you say, It doesn't matter, you can live in the forest or the van. But don't forget, That's what makes the two equal. Really the business is the same for the sannyasi or the grihasta. This is one business. To surrender to Krishna, to love Krishna. Different modes of expressing that, dependent upon one's situation, one's psychology. Otherwise, for the sake of preaching, Bhakti Siddhanta erected this edifice of sannyas in the context of Daivavarnashram. We might as well dismantle it, because <laughs> at the time, in Indian culture and society, it was quite some time ago, at that time, people had some regard for the sannyasis the saffron dress and so forth. These days in the Western world, they think you're in your pajamas. If you're lucky, it might be worse than that after some of the things that we've done in these dresses, both red and white. So we should try to catch the spirit of Vaishnavism. It's really a feeling. It's all about feeling. Properly centered. And if it's properly centered, then it will extend everywhere. If it's properly centered on Krishna, it will extend to all living beings, all classes, all living entities. Seeing that which we have in common, this is the general idea, relationship with Krishna. So Mahaprabhu took the sannyas for this purpose only. He came for that purpose, and at the time he determined this would be useful. He came to give a medicine like a doctor, but people didn't recognize him to be a physician, associating intimately with him in Navadvip. Familiarity, it is said, breeds contempt. Mahaprabhu was loved by all, no doubt, for different reasons. At one point, everyone in Navadvip loved him and all of Nadia, except for one group. Which group was that? The Vaishnavas. <laughs> really, they loved him, but they were always arguing with him, complaining, preaching to him, why you don't become a Vaishnav? You have so much learning and knowledge, but it's all a waste of time. Of course, he would laugh at them because they couldn't defeat him, so that's their excuse. You can't defeat me in discussion of logic and something called Navanyaya was very, very popular at the time. It's said to be a kind of a combination of Vaisheshika philosophy and the Nyaya of Gautam. It was very popular in Navadvip. So it was a very learned place. But with learning, oftentimes, as is the case, devotion goes far away. Knowledge is a very dangerous thing. Our objective something in the language of Sridharmarsh called Gyan Shunya Bhakti. He told me once, whenever any very intelligent person comes, I have to stress this point again and again. Gyan Shunya Bhakti, Gyan Shunya Bhakti. It means devotion unencumbered 
by knowledge, by gyan. This is the idea of Brajbhakti. It's not that there is no knowledge there in Vrindavan, in the eternal Vrindavan, but there's no need for it to manifest. In fact, should it manifest, it would get in the way and compromise the atmosphere. Just like in the United States, we have the most powerful military-industrial complex. And during the Cold War, between Russia and, and the United States, it should have been obvious who was more powerful. When the wall came down, then it became obvious. But it should have been obvious just from the fact that one group, the Russians, were parading around their missiles everywhere. And the other group, if you come to America, some of you are from different parts of the world, may have never been there, you don't arrive in the airport and see people with machine guns and you don't see tanks on the 4th of July Independence Day parading through the streets or a big display of military power. In fact, military installations are off in a secluded, hidden places. You don't even know they're there. So a country that has that kind of opulence, it should have been obvious they were more powerful. As it came, I heard not so long ago somebody told me that a lot of those missiles that the Russians paraded through the streets, they were made out of paper mache or something like that. <laughs> they were plastic. <laughs> so one has to show his strength, his knowledge, who is driven to do so, may not be as knowledgeable. May think that just the possession of something in the head, some intellectual understanding, amounts to changing one's life. It's, it's not. It's what you do with that. Therefore, we have to stress again and again. Study the scripture, but for a reason, such that it will help to orient you for doing those things that the scripture recommends that will actually change your life. So in Vrindavan, yes, it's the end of knowledge, but uh, knowledge is not openly displayed there. All the people appear to be rather uninformed. And if any big jnani comes there, like Uddhava was sent by Krishna, oh, they're paying obeisances. If Narada should come there, they're paying obeisances. But Uddhava came there, sent by Krishna, to learn something. What was their bhakti? And the reason Uddhava was sent, because Uddhava was the biggest jnani, bhakta, in Dwarka. So we're to learn from that. And what did he say? Charanarinu. He wanted to become a particle of dust at Gopi's feet in Vrindavan, such as the land of Vrindavan. Once a sannyasi, disciple of Saraswati Thakur Prabhupada, Bhaktisiddhanta, was sent to the West. And due to various circumstances and confronting the Western mind and Western thinking, firsthand, he actually became a little confused, wrote a letter to Bhaktisiddhanta Saraswati Thakur, many pages. Some substance of that, amongst many things, was that they have questions that we can't answer, can't give the full answer to. And what was Saraswati Thakur's reply? He said, with a particle of dust from the lotus feet of Gorkisho Das Babaji Maharaj, my Gurudev, who was illiterate, he could not read or write. He said, in a particle of that dust, there's enough knowledge to drown the whole world. This is my conviction. And this, Bhaktisiddhanta Sarasvati Thakur, 
person who said it was a very, very educated person. His guru was illiterate. The combination of these two is very instructive to us. Sarsadi Thakur actually stated that he was inspired to take initiation from Gaur Das Babaji, other than the fact that Bhaktivinoda Thakur recommended it, by the fact that he found in Babaji Maharaj absolutely no interest in the valuable things that Bhimal Prashad had in the eyes of everyone else. His moral character, his education, Naistika Brahmachari. It's interesting that persons of questionable moral character have in the wake of the disappearance of Bhaktisiddhanta Sarasri Thakur questioned his integrity with regards to his innovations and his initiation from Gorkishore Das Babaji Maharaj and so forth. If you look at the history, you find that he was very desirable from all quarters on account of his being a, such a morally stout person with such personal integrity, honesty, learning and so forth. A side point. But Gorkishore Das Babaji Maharaj was not attracted to any of these things. Tell us something about what he had, at least the intelligent, the real spiritual intelligence of Bhakti Siddhanta Sarasri Thakur manifest in seeing this, rather than thinking he doesn't care, I've got so many valuable things, he can't even read or write. He reasoned, what does he have? Hmm? And he thinks like this about me. So he prostrated himself, he became the disciple, and he was able to make this kind of statement with conviction, a particle of dust from the feet of Gokushara's Babaji Marsh could drown the whole world. And that is the Vrindavan Bhakti, Raja Bhakti. All knowledge is there. But just like in the United States, although they have all types of powerful weapons, we don't see them anywhere. Because if they are brought out in the public, then it will inhibit the peaceful flow of the society. People will feel a little intimidated by that. So in Vrindavan, this knowledge is not manifest. Otherwise, it will inhibit the flow of Braj Bhakti. Whenever it does manifest, knowledge is Aishwarya, the knowledge that Krishna is God, whenever it manifests, their Bhakti subdues it, converts it. We today went to Govinda Kund, we talked about the, how Krishna got his name Govinda there. We heard how the Indra Dev came, Mahadev, Lord Shiva, Brahma, Surabi, and a host of gods in the context of Indra's apologizing for his pride and offense, sending the devastating rains to Vrindavan. Following the tale of Surabi, hiding behind her, pushing her forward first, you say something on my behalf. With all those cows I offended, but I'm coming under your shelter. She said, no, you have to talk. If someone apologizes for you, they'll get the credit. You'll not be absolved. He came forward and Krishna made it easy for him. What did he do? He separated himself from his group of cowherds. He went to a secluded place at a distance so that it make it easy for Indra to come and own up. If you have to go and apologize to a great man in front of his whole entourage, that's uh, very intimidating. But Krishna made it easy. The cowherds were at a distance, observing. 
And when all of this godly paraphernalia was given to Krishna as gifts, the parasel from Indra and the flute from Shiva and the lotus from Brahma and so forth and all the prayers and all the royal attire that they gave him. And when they left, they flew away and the cowherd boys came and put on all those things and pushed Krishna around. Gods are looking from a distance, realizing if our gifts would ever bear any fruit, this would be the highest fruit. We could have such a position with this person, Govinda, Gopendra. And when he came home parading like this with all this paraphernalia, and Nanda Maharaj asked, where did you get all this and what's it about? Mother Mongol said, oh, some guy with four heads came, making a big disturbance. Another guy had five heads. Another guy had eyes all over, and there was a big elephant spraying water. And a cow was talking. <laughs> Strange things. So such a display of opulence in Vrindavan. Krishna was being coronated the king. And Indra is the king of heaven. So everyone in heaven is offering their dandavats and prayers to him. And Brahma and Shiva have come along as well, placing the crown on Krishna's head. And they all chimed in with the Abhishek, giving him the name Govinda. Govinda means Goindra, Gopendra. It means Lord of the cows, Lord of the senses. Senses are the lords of the world. Who is the Lord of the senses, is the Lord of the world, not Indra. So this is an extraordinary display of Aishvarya. But the cowherds, they're just turning it around in their mind. It's a disturbance. The Govardhan Leela itself, Krishna lifting the hill, and cowherds coming and putting their sticks there to help, support. So the nature of that frame in Vrindavan is such that if Aishvarya manifests there, it's converted. It can never take precedence. Dwarka will take precedence, but not in Vrindavan. Knowledge is suppressed. But it's there. How do we know that it's there? Because those persons, those Brajbhaktas, those young village girls carrying yogurt on their head, walking around Govardhan Hill, singing songs, just trying to get the glance of a young boy, a young Shamsundar, is all they're doing. Playful, like just like girls, decorating themselves in the mirror to the extreme. Radhika has so many servitors combing her hair and just seems very vain <laughs> and very mundane. But at the heart of that, something very extraordinary. Only for the pleasure of Krishna. You see how bhakti is so close to the soul. It's not about rejecting anything. How to use everything in Krishna's service. The extreme of yukta-vairagya is found in the gopis. But these girls, village girls, when they come to this world and they have a gor-lila-deha, we call Rupa Goswami's appearance here sadaka-deha, but it may also be considered a gor-lila-deha because he's fully participating in Gauranga Mahaprabhu's Leela. And in that Leela, which is manifest in the material world, where there's so much ignorance, so much knowledge that Gopi has, we are just overwhelmed, we can't imagine. We have to put these two things together. Just a village girl carrying yogurt on her head. But she can speak philosophy and write poetry Nana Shastra Vichara Nikanipunosa Dharma Samstapuko. 
If you read the books of Jiva Goswami, you cannot even think of the questions that he comes up with to challenge his own thesis. You know, when you want to write a book, then you try to think of your audience and then what anybody will say and what you've said and how they may argue against it and justify it as far as you can think. He has sought so, so far. He gives an idea, a point, makes a statement, and then gives the such strong argument about it. Arguments that you could not have even thought of. And then he digs a hole and puts the arguer inside and builds a temple on top. Never surface again. <laughs> not possible. Just a village girl. What kind of place is that? Vrindavan. Ganshunya Bhakti. Where Bhakti takes precedence over Jnana. To the extreme. Bhakti always takes precedence over Jnana. Except in Sattviki Bhakti. The Sattviki Bhakti is a form of Bhakti that manifests for the sake of the Advaitins that they can get Mukti. They get the liberation they want. Without that they cannot get it. So she takes precedence actually also. But to the extreme, that's our ideal. Non-calculative devotion. Not even the calculation that he's God, therefore I'm paying my obeisances. Therefore I'm worshipping. This is our ideal. So Sridhar Maharaj, like I mentioned, he used to say this. Well, sometimes when any intelligent person comes, I have to hammer on this point. Because if we try to make this work with our intelligence alone, we'll be repelled from that higher realm. We push down. Today we were riding in the jeep around the Govardhan Hill, and I was thinking of this point. That's your big hill. Krishna came. He lifted. Where did he pick it up? And how did he go under there and pick it up? And was it leaning on one end? And he ran. And, you know, it's like it doesn't work. It doesn't fit between the ears. And one little after another. And if you just want to apply your intelligence to that, it will all Leela will disappear. It won't make any sense. It'll just be allegory. That's all. You'll be able to draw some points for it, but from it some knowledge from it, because it's full of knowledge. <laughs> so, it may appear just a story, but it's so full of knowledge. So even though those who take it only allegorically, it may have so many symbolic meanings and allegorical meanings, no doubt, but something that has so much meaning that can be applied in a psychological level, on a sociological level, on a spiritual level of sadhana, no matter what your sadhana is, even Mayavadis here in Vrindavan, speaking Bhagavatam, speaking Bhagavatam, Taking from the commentaries of Sanatana Goswami, Vishwanath Jiva Goswami, taking words, bending them in so many ways to get so many meanings from the Leela of Krishna. So you should stop to think, there's so much knowledge in that story. So much, on so many levels. And I'm going to deny its reality, that it exists as an ontological reality, but I'm getting so much knowledge from it, does it make any sense? No. But it's to realize this at some point, we have to laugh. I was walking in our facility in California and we could see the ocean from there. And I was looking and I felt ocean one day was a, it was a big expanse of ocean view that the waves were rising up and saying, why? I was kind of seeing in a poetic way, why? And I just chuckled. Is it to say, does there have to be a why? Does there have to be a reason? If life is about love, this is the teaching of Gaudi doctrine then it's beyond reason this is hard for us to grasp love knows no reason 
if we want to come to that love of Braj Bhakti, we have to reason this far hmm? and retire the reasoning, put ourselves in the hands of a Braj Bhakta. Home knowing person required for home going. Just think, if nothing lies beyond intellect, how disappointing that will be. His intellect means there will never be unity. It's always a different argument. We should be happy to think there's something beyond our intellect and try to go there. So we should study the books for this purpose, to get energy for this, that the heart can come out and be fulfilled. If we keep wanting to put it under the microscope of our intellect, then that would be problematic. We should use our intellect, exercise it to its fullest, but no. What is its limitation? So this is our ideal, Brajbhakti, Navadvip, Dham, same. Like we said of the night, Godadai, Pushpavanto, Chitro, Sando, Timonado, is wonderful. Navadvip and Vrindavan are same. It is the Godadai, sweet land. Sweet, but its background is Aishvarya. Sweet means Madhurja, charming, Krishna Lila, but the background is Ardhya, the foundation. Vishwanath Chakrabhati Thakur says, if you take a white diamond, but you put it on a black backdrop, then it shines. So we have to look at Krishna Lila like this. Know what is the Aishvarya, by which the Lila becomes charming, because it's God doing these things, and then love God. So Navadvip Basis, like Vakyunath Thakur, he saying, when will Mahaprabhu give up this sannyas and join us again in Abhadweep for Kirtan as Nimai Pandit? Sannyas is external, artificial. It is Aishvarya. So Bhagavan is Aishvarya. He has all Aishvarya. With Sri Bhagavanavacha, here it is said, and throughout Bhagavad Gita, and Sri means Shakti. Without Shakti, then Bhagavan is not Bhagavan. Paramatma, Brahman, but with Shakti and a full expression of Shakti, then he becomes blessed. This is the blessed Lord, blessed by Radha. Sri Bhagavan Uvacha. Brahmiti Paramatmiti Bhagavan Iti Shabdite. Vadantita Tatpavitas Tatpam Jitgyanam This verse, an answer to the sage's question about the ultimate essence of dharma, one of the answers, comes about 22 verses in the second chapter of Bhagavatam. This sloka is the basis of Rupa Goswami's, of uh, Kaviraj Goswami's Vastunide sloka in Chaitanya Charitamrita. As I said before, he says, Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, there's the only difference. Absolute truth is Brahman, Paramatman, Bhagavan, and Chaitanya Mahaprabhu is that Brahman, Paramatman, Bhagavan, that is that by Tattva. We'll hear more about that. Tomorrow night. Here in Bhagavad Gita, Sri Bhagavan Uvacha, we come to now discuss Bhagavan directly. The Lord Shaktis have been introduced, the Swarup Shakti has been introduced in the fourth chapter, Ajopisanave Atvan Bhutanam Ishvaropisan Prakritin Samadishtaya Sambhavami Atmamayaya. Be mentioned again in relation to his devotees in the ninth chapter. Mahatmanas Tumampata Daivim Prakritim Ashrita. Here in this chapter, Tatastashak and uh, Maya Shakti will be mentioned. Bhumirapunulo bayo kamano bhudurevacha ahankara itiyam ibina prakriti rashtata apareyam mitastanyam prakriti mvidi meparam jivabhuta mahabaho. 
Dairam Dharete Jagat. So appropriately, Sri Bhagavan Uvacha, this chapter begins. To the six chapters talking about the second half of the Upanishadic aphorism said backwards. Tattvamasi. The second part is Tat. <laughs> Comes first. Tattvam asi. Tvam means you. So you are matter. And you means soul, not matter. This we learned in the first six chapters. At some length this was discussed. And how to arrive at that. At some length in Upanishadic language, Krishna began his discourse. In second chapter. Chastising a student dismissing all of his arguments in one verse, all of his arguments about dharma in one verse in brief. very first verse he spoke, Anayajustamashvargyam. Then he begins his discourse, takes it to another level. You talk about killing, not killing. You don't kill and you can't be killed. Nanyate He describes the soul. And then he starts, after giving the sankhya, analytical study of the soul, he says, now we talk about yoga. It means to realize that. And Nishkam Karma Yoga, Jnana Yoga, Dhyana Yoga, Bhakti Yoga, Best Yoga, Bhakti. First six chapters show the first glory of Bhakti, her post-liberated status, and that her influence is required for liberation. What makes Jnana Yoga, Dhyana Yoga liberating is the influence of Bhakti. Then now we come to Bhakti proper. By the time we get to the middle of this section, we learn the second glory of bhakti to some extent, which will be brought out further in the conclusion of the Gita. Second glory of bhakti that she, being independent, being spiritual, being of the surup shakti, she can do whatever she wants. That means she can give herself to anyone. So she gives herself even to people who aren't qualified for nishkam karma yoga. <laughs> we are such people. We can take up bhakti humbly. Shravanam, Kirtanam, Vishnu, Smaranam. So this six chapters then delineates Tat. Bhagavan, Godhead, you are that. That is the, the general meaning, you are that. You have to have some likeness with the Absolute to be in communion with Him. Therefore, it is said, Maya Shakti never associates with the Lord. He never associates with her. There is dissimilarity between the two. But there's a similarity between us and Bhagavan. We are the nature of consciousness. So, in this sense, Tattvamasi, you are that. The general idea of this aphorism is that if you're in a dark cave, then you don't know what sun is. If you've never seen the light of sun, you don't know what the sun is. If I'm sitting in the cave with you, all you know is the darkness of the cave. How can I tell you about the sun? that lights the whole world, that produces rain. It's fire. It makes rain. The rain rains and produces vegetation, life, and so many flowers and fruits and gives vitality. It makes the mind enlivened, the sun. How can I tell you all these things? And you're living in a cave. You have no experience of the sun. And none of these things brought about by sun, a gloomy existence. You don't even know what vegetation is. Just the walls of your cave, you're writing something about. So, if a crack in that cave, a light comes in, you say, this is the sun, this is the sun. Some idea. What 
in this world, think about it now, what in this world is similar to God? If we were to tell people who knew nothing about God, we wanted to tell them something about what is God. What would we talk about? What in this world has some similarity to God? Yes, but more so. That's good, for example. Us. You. We are consciousness. Like God. Not like matter. So this is introductory discourse. They think it is uh, Anta. It is Vedanta. And, but they only have entry level to Vedanta. Vedanta 101. Father Bhadi says, Vedanta is about something different. Extraordinary knowledge, not ordinary knowledge. So then he says, what is extraordinary knowledge? Ordinary knowledge is, oh, there's so much variety here, so much difference. So will extraordinary knowledge be, actually, it's all one. There's unity. Underlying all this variety is a unity. He says, that's not extraordinary knowledge. You can arrive at that with reasoning. That's just the polar opposite of material variety, apparent variety. He says uncommon knowledge is when you find out that that underlying unity of Brahman has variety. This Bhagavan, Sri Bhagavan, that makes your head spin. This is uncommon, achintya. What does achintya mean? It means we cannot conceive of it. But we can know about it from scripture. This is what Krishna Leela, Mukhivritti reading, means on its face value of Krishna Leela tells us all these things. But if we don't accept the Chitta Shakti, then we have to interpret it Gonavritti indirectly. It's just an allegory, just a story. So, Vedanta 101, you are that light. You are God. If anything is similar to God, it's us. You endure. You are eternal. But as I say, this is only the beginning level. And don't think that Shankar's interpretation of Tattvamasi is a direct interpretation what it really says. What it really says, see, this aphorism has to be taken in indirectly, because on its face it doesn't make any sense. You are that. The second person is the third person. But grammatically, it's not. it doesn't make sense. So you have to interpret it in another way. So he's given our way, one way, and we've given ours. What does uh, Mahaprabhu say? You are his, tasyate, tat, his. That makes sense. So there's a unity there, but it's a dynamic unity. So here in this verse, Sri Bhagavan Uvacha, Krishna speaks, Bhagavan speaks, the Lord, blessed Lord, the Lord of Sri, possessed of innumerable shakris. He says, Maya Shaktamana Partha. In this verse, Krishna wants to get Arjuna's attention because now he's going to take the discussion to a higher level. So he's going to speak some verses, two, three verses, that glorify the knowledge that's contained in the chapter. It's like if I want you to pay attention, I say, so now this point is very important, so you should listen to this point. And everybody wakes up and perks up and pays attention. So Krishna, in the same way, glorifies the knowledge in this chapter that Arjuna might pay attention. It's very important. We're going to another level now. Things are getting complicated. Like I said before, in my preaching sometimes in the Western world, 
speaking in bookstores and places like that, I find it fairly easy to take people from a basic material conception to the basic idea of spiritual life. What is the illusory nature of the world of names and forms and how we create duality in our mind by the medium of the senses, creating likes and dislikes, goods and bads, happies and sads. They're like following along. It's making sense. And then suddenly we have to put a spin on the whole thing and take it to Krishna. Otherwise we feel unsatisfied. We haven't shared with them what Gaudiya Vaishnavism is really all about. And then I see them kind of like, hmm, it's charming, it's interesting, but exactly what he's talking about, I don't know. <laughs> and they probably have their own interpretation and so forth, but it's not bad. Something will come from that. They'll get some benefit from that. Don't be afraid to talk about Krishna. Only reincarnation, only not the body. Prabhupada gave the Krishna book first. Don't be afraid. He said if they read this, they'll become a devotee. I told the other day, that's how Dr. Kapoor told me Bhaktisiddhanta Saraswati Thakur converted him. He was a Mayavadi, young and intelligent and very, very convinced about Shankar. And they heard one Giri Maharaj, disciple of Saraswati Thakur, talk. But Giri Maharaj, he found it interesting, he said, that they're saying Mahaprabhu is God. I learned he's a saint. This is common in India. They teach in the school he's a saint. But these people are saying he's God. So he said, I found that a little interesting. So I stayed and talked. But then afterwards we discussed, and he couldn't convince me of the Gaudivashnav arguments over Madhveta. So Girimarsh said to him at the time, well, I cannot convince you, but my Girimarsh, he will convince you. So Dr. Kapoor was eager to meet with Pakistan to Sarasri Thakur, and the meeting was arranged. And Sarasri Thakur told this young man, he's very nice and very learned and attached to Shankar, but he wants to hear you. chair was given to the man, and Saraswati Thakur came in and sat in the chair. And Dr. Kapoor said he sat down, and for an hour he spoke about Brajlila. Nothing about Mayavad this, Vedanta that, nothing. Just with great feeling and emotion he spoke about the Brajlila. He finished, he got up and walked out. No, do you have any questions, anything? He said, I was charmed by that. And I followed him for six months on his lecture tour. And after every lecture, he'd say, are there any questions? And I would raise my hand, and he would ignore me. <laughs> That's why I became converted. Gradually, he said, I, of course, learned all the Gaudi Vedanta and everything. And then one time, he said, I had the occasion to test it. A big Shankaracharya had come to one town, and Dr. Kapoor was there. And... This was, of course, what, maybe 70 years ago, 75 years ago. So the Shankaracharya was patronized by the king. I think this was in Rajasthan. And so he was giving the talk, and so many people were there, and there were elephants and guards and around. You can't get close to these fellows, even today, probably, these Shankars, riding on an elephant and Kumbh Mela and so forth. So he said... He came to the darshan, and he managed to get close, and even to have a conversation, asking questions. And so Dr. Kapoor started to give the arguments against Mayavad carefully, seeing his surroundings. And it got to the certain point where the Mayavadis are going to shift the ground. We're talking about it on one level, and they shift the ground to make their argument about Maya and how to justify it. That Brahman is one, no difference. 
Somehow there's maya. This is where it breaks down. There may be things attractive about the philosophy to the rational mind, but if you look closely at it, it has as many holes in it. As many holes as any, as any philosophy has. Maybe more. <laughs> a big hole, a big abyss. Sarsali Thakur called it the Timingila, whale-swallowing philosophy. Everything devoured there. Anyway, Dr. Kapoor said, I was making the arguments and I had him. And I knew I had him. And I was about to say, but you've shifted the ground. And I looked around and I saw all those sabers, you know, men with their swords. And in those days, he said, my head could have rolled. Hmm? So I was satisfied. Our Vedanta's got some strength when interfaced with this Advaita Vedanta. And I went away <laughs> humbly. So Arjun, you know, he has to pay attention. The argument is going to another level now. Bhagwan, he's that Brahman. He's Paramatma. He's indicated it in the first six chapters already that he himself is Brahman. He himself is Paramatma. He's indicated it in the sixth chapter. But only subtly, only slightly. Now here he's going to talk about Bhagwan himself. And he says, Mayashakta Manaparta Yogam Yunjan Manashraya With Mayashakta with mind attached to me, mana, maya sakta mana, parta, yogam yunjan. Yogam yunjan means in the practice of yoga. He says, so in a practice of yoga, with mind attached to me. So what is this? What stage is this? Asakti. Mind attached to me. Asakti means after ruchi bhakti. Mind attached. Asakta and Yoga Myunjan. It is in yoga practice. Asakti is in sadhana bhakti. The last stage of sadhana bhakti, asakti. Mind attached to Krishna. So in the context of practice, he says, Asakta. We should try for this. And when we are successful in this, mind attached, then we can enter into bhav bhakti. Don't think you can go to bhav bhakti. That is the goal of sadhana bhakti. Sadhana bhakti is fruitful if we get this fruit of bhav, but the trick is to get the mind attached to Krishna. So, so many things have to be cleared for that. We have to become, as we spoke this morning, very humble. You have to cross through this. This is nishta. Your bhajan will be steady if you can be so humble. Then kirtaniya sadahari, nishta, that dhanam na janam na Your taste comes this way. No taste for anything else. Then Ainanda Tanuja King Karam Patita Mam This is Asakti. Mayasakta Manaparta. Yogam Yunjan Madashraya. Asam Shayam Samagram Mam. So he's further explaining Bhagavan here. Bhagavan Uvacha. He says, Asam Shayam, without any doubt, Samagram Mam. Samagram means completely. If in yoga practice you take shelter of me with mind attached to me, you will come to know me completely without any doubt. What does complete mean? Bhagavan. Brahmeti, Paramatmeti, Bhagavan. Yitishabdite. Bhagavan is the last word in Advaigyan Tattva. Knowing him as Brahman and Paramatma is not complete. But knowing Sri Bhagavan with his Shakti. It means to say, if you know a person's Shakti, you know that person. Shakti is that by which a person does something accomplishes tasks. So if you know, I know the Maharaj, uh, he writes books. I've read his books. But there's my Shakti. So if you know that book, then you know me. If you don't know that book, don't bother me. 
<laughs> Dandavat Maharaj, don't say you are my Shishya. Read the book. I know what the person's about. Point is, by the Shakti we know that person. Completely. We may know something. He looks like this. So we are, everyone is a person and every person is Shakti. The Shakti is that by which he or she accomplishes things. And that Shakti is that person. Just like the person is the person. So, Atinta Beda Beda. This is the idea. The Lord and the Shaktis are one and different at the same time. So to know Bhagawan's, to know Bhagawan means to know God completely. It means to know Brahman along with Brahman's Shaktis. When Brahman has Shakti, that means Bhagawan. So, Maya Shaktamanaparta Yogam Yungjan Marashaya Asam Shayam Samagramam Yatag Nachasita Srino. So, now, he says, hear from me about these things. With mind attached to me, in yoga practice, you will come to know me completely, without any doubt. Any question? Any doubt? I don't understood well the uh, explanation yeah, that you said from Mahaprabhu goes out from Navadvip. You said that, that, that is the Aishwadi, Because sannyas, renunciation, is Aishwarya. Aishvaryasya samagrasya viryasya yashashasriya gyanabhairagyayushchaya. So, six opulences Parashara has mentioned. One of them is renunciation. It's attractive. You understand? Who has renunciation is attractive. Who has all these opulences is all attractive. This is Krishna. Mahaprabhu has all opulences. But this Bhairagya stands out in terms of his Bhagavan's accepting sannyas in that Leela. And that's a teaching Leela, so it's dear to us who need to be taught. But for those who already know, then who cares about the teaching? Knowledge is secondary. Do you understand? Mm-hmm. So when Mahaprabhu leaves Mahaprabhu to take sannyas, that corresponds with Krishna's Leela. In Krishna's Leela, where Krishna leaves Vrindavan and goes to Mathura and Dwarka, mm-hmm. Aishwarya starts to manifest. And Brajabhasis are just waiting for him to come back. So Navadvipasi is waiting for Mahaprabhu to come back and be himself. Another question? Yes? Yes? Because they're all attractive. Yes, just like the living entity is Sarvagata. In Bhagavad Gita, in the second chapter, is mentioned one of the symptoms of the characteristic of the soul. Sarvagata. Everywhere. Jiva Goswami says, by dint of taking shelter of Bhagavan, who's everywhere. They're everywhere. You understand? So similarly, by taking shelter of Bhagavan, one can become Bhagavan. Bhagavan Narada, sometimes he's called like this in um, Simon Bhagavatam. By dint of their taking shelter of Bhagavan, they become all attractive. Those opulences may manifest in them. But not Bhagavan, Rajneesh. Another question? Today, is Okay, yeah. Tattvamasi. 
I said, you are his. This is idea. Rather than you are that, you are his. That makes more sense, doesn't it? It means we belong to God. It means, see this verse talks about, this aphorism talks about the unity between Jiva and Brahman. So, when we say you are his, this is a dynamic unity in Vaishnavism, a unity in love. Therefore, this is pure Kaivalya. And as Bhagavatam it has said, this book is all about Kaivalyam. I think, what? Kaivalyam is the favorite word of the Mayavadis. Jiva Goswami has explained, Kaivalya means love. In love, you become that person that you love. You accept their mind as yours. They accept your mind as theirs. It's you and I, but then in love we become we. We is a unit, right? You see, it's interesting because love, as much as it requires two, it also requires that the two become one. A unity, a unit. So, Jiva Goswami has explained Tattvamasi means frame. Love. To say there is no other. This is what the devotees say. There is no other. Only Krishna. There is no other. This is their heart. I know no one else, Mahaprabhu said. Mat prananatas tu para. I know no one else. This is our tattvamasi. Uh, Kavi Karnapur, one place he says, those who say I love God know nothing about loving God. Because there's I and then there's God. I love God. So losing the sense of self, of individuality, self-forgetfulness. This is Brajapati Gopi's love. There's only Krishna. And they're just moving around to facilitate him. No sense of their own self. This is what the Veda is talking about. Vedanta is talking about in all these statements. We know no other. I know no other. And who said this? Who what said? <laughs> yeah, he said something like that. Paraphrasing. The other night I mentioned that. In that dream, Radha sees a golden figure. She wonders why she's attracted to that figure. Because she's only attracted to Krishna. So she asks Krishna and then he laughs and then she realizes, oh, I'm attracted to that figure because you are that figure. So she says, Radha says to Krishna, you are that. That makes sense. That makes sense. There's another statement in the Gopal Tapani, Aham Gopala. My bodies love that one. I'm Gopal. So then she says, You are that, and I am Gopal. You, Gopal, are that, and I am that Gopal. She got Hari, so he goes to Bihari. Chaitanya Mahaprabhu is Krishna himself, cowherder. So. In this way, Gaudiya are don't run away from these Upanishadic dictums, aphorisms. We have our way of explaining them. Anything else? Uh, yes, you said that we must uh, speak about the Krishna Lila. And we also hear many times that we must be very careful about that. And we are, I what does that mean? What does careful mean? Yes. And also... You have to know how to talk about it. Uh-huh. 
have to understand something what it is to be able to talk about it. If you don't talk about it carefully, in other words, if you don't draw the tattva from it, then most of you won't get much benefit from it. Just like they have Krishna Leela dramas and so forth, people go, but there's no tattva drawn from that. First, we should draw the tattva, the philosophical point from the Leela, to apply in our life as a sadhaka. Then we can get the bhav. You simply want to talk about the bhav to people without giving them any tattva, then they'll never get any bhava. So you said it yourself. We hear that we should be very careful in talking about Krishna Leela. But that doesn't mean we shouldn't talk about it. We should talk about it carefully, with care. Full of care. Because it is such a high thing. That we're full of care we will speak about it, with feeling. And explain what it means relative to who is the audience. But not that we should just put a zipper on our mouth, we never talk about it. Otherwise you want to quote, you have to put these things together. Prabhupada may have said that, I'm sure he did. He's not the only person. And Prabhupada wrote the Krishna book. So, and he gave that first. He told me personally, when I asked him once, what would be the best book to distribute? He said, I think Krishna book. And his tenth canto of Srimad Bhagavatam. And here's the person who said, don't jump to the tenth canto. Antriparamar, sell that tenth canto right there on the street. <laughs> to anybody and everybody. So you have to be balanced. Spiritual life requires common sense. Also, it is said that the Sechitaya Mahaprabhu is better for us to learn about him or to think about him. Yes, you cannot learn about Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, you cannot sing about Chaitanya Mahaprabhu without talking about Krishna, because Chaitanya Mahaprabhu is Krishna and is all about Krishna. It is impossible to talk about Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, really, without talking about Krishna little, because he is Krishna, for one, of course, in a special appearance. But secondly, if we talk about the life of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, it's all about Krishna Leela. That's what he's meditating upon, that's whose name he's singing, that's <laughs> all these things. So, therefore, Chaitanya Mahaprabhu is the way to Krishna Leela. So, yes, we should talk about Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, Gaur Leela. But we, in the course of doing, we find ourselves talking about Krishna Leela. What do you find? Find what aspect about Gorlila you want to talk about and how you will avoid talking about Krishna Lila in doing so. Not possible. But yes, Gorlila, Mahaprabhu is, Siddhartha gave example of Golden Mountain, Volcanic Mountain. The lava is the bhava coming down. And the mountain means standing high to show the way to Krishna Lila. Standing up. So we should go through Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. That's a fact. You study Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's Lila, then you will know how to understand Krishna Lila. But it's not that we should only hear about Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's Leela and not hear about the Krishna Leela. Two are one and same. That's the central point to our philosophy. We read Chaitanya Charitamrita. What happens? Right in the beginning. Astrologer comes. He says, Oh, your son is Narayan. What does Mahaprabhu say? No, that's not true. Guy's a bad astrologer. I was a cowherd in my last life. Therefore, I got to take birth as a Brahmin in this life. 